Welcome to Boom Talk Studios, episode 24, season one, Fox Trotting Out Foxhole. Time for our weekly dive into what's going on in the world of sports, with a little commentary and insights, hopefully. As always, we thank www.purpleplanet.com for the wonderful theme song, helping all of us struggling podcasters out. Writing some good access there. Questions, feedback, or just to say hey, or you want to come on one of the two podcasts that I host, ftinfx at gmail.com. Well, let's get down to it. As usual, another busy week. Um, a lot going on. Really amazing how quick, how hard it was to to actually finalize all of my talking points for this episode. It's just in the last, I don't know, eight or nine hours. I kind of fluctuate between Tuesday or Wednesday when I do these podcasts. And uh, decided to do it, you know, last week and today on Wednesday. Not, you know, things have kind of slowed down. So there's not really pressing as far as getting things in before finals games and that sort of thing. Anyway. You know, here we are rambling already, but uh, so many things going on, and so we'll start off with our usual trek through COVID land. See, we're just we're, we're all over the place today, but no, we want this cue. Alrighty. It's time for our weekly dive, and that's called the COVID Chronicles. Okay, well, there's a lot going on in COVID land this week. Um, every week, we always are talking about, we hope the list will get shorter. Well, we know that with the outbreaks in the country spiking to levels that exceed what they were in the spring, many states like my own here in Oregon are going into a shutdown mode where like bars and gyms and things like that will be closed for, at least like here in Oregon, we're getting ready to go through a two-week freeze. So, as you can imagine, if the public is freaking out while the sports world, well, anyway, the NFL announced today that they were going to have stricter COVID-19 protocols for the remainder of the season. And while most of these things aren't really new, I think we've discussed them in previous episodes, I think they are getting more um, defined as we get to a point where we're getting into the last stretch of the season, as we've seen in the colleges, and we'll talk about that in the uh, 43,000 foot view above campus here in a second. But, um, you know, some of them, these intensive protocols that the NFL wanna, want to implement between now and season's end, they want a requirement that all meetings will be held virtually, you know, or in the largest possible indoor space. Space, excuse me. Provided such space has been inspected and approved by the NFL and the NFLPA, <laughs> NFLPA excuse me. Not enough caffeine yet. Um, you know, grab and go in the cafeterias. They want limited time spent in the locker rooms. Um, you know, mask or, you know, the approved face shields. Double PPE during medical treatment for the patient and provider. 
So I guess that would be a player receiving treatment for an injury must wear both a mask and a face shield during that treatment. And so must a doctor or a trainer. A limit of 10 players and five coaches at any time in the weight room, regardless of the size of the room. So yeah, they're definitely trying to make steps because uh, as we can get to on our list here, there's so many things that happen. You know, that I can tell you in the NFL, Josh Norman and Graham Cano, uh, Josh Norman of the Bills, formerly of the Washington football team, Carolina Panthers, at one time was a standout. Graham Cano, who also kicked for the Washington football team. Funny how I have a connection with these guys. Both of those guys tested positive. And beautiful game as far as uh, European soccer. Two of the big stars over there, Mo Salah of Liverpool and Atletico Madrid's Luis Suarez also tested positive, as did LAFC's Diego Rossi and two of his teammates during the international break. As you guys know how much I love the international break. A lot of these guys got sick. Gee, big surprise. And it's going to have so many serious implications. In the case of LAFC, where Rossi, Palacios, and Cien Fuentes are all going to have to remain quarantined in Uruguay until they test negative and come back to the States. Why is that important? Well, LAFC has a big playoff game with Seattle coming up here on Tuesday, I believe. And as it stands now, but we'll talk about that a little bit more when we get into our beautiful game roundup. But a really sticky situation for not just LAFC, but many teams right now that have players who contracted the virus while out of international duty. And so, and you know, one of the things that the, the league wanted to do was that they were going to charter flights back from Europe or Latin America so they could get ahead of what you know the quarantine protocols as far as how many days that you would have to isolate and provided there were positive tests that they would not miss playoff games. But as you can see in the case of LA, LAFC, you know, that's not going to be, that wouldn't have even worked. I mean, MLS has finalized its protocols. You know, they sent the document out that basically says. They will try to attempt. They will attempt to reschedule any game that's postponed due to COVID. If the game can't be rescheduled. The team, the outbreak, will have to forfeit. MLS showing a little teeth there. Um, but at this point, I think that's the way it's going to have to be, right? You know, I think we've come to that. You know, crossing the Rubicon moment. If a team cannot, and they're, they have a serious outbreak. Their team doesn't, and you can't reschedule it. Well, that's tough. You know, talk about asterisks and tainted championships, but so be it. That's what that's the world we're living in. I think for most sports, you know, get used to it, folks. And so, meanwhile, in the world of COVID, that uh, defending champion, Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm not gonna try to gloat too much. But they've announced that regardless of whatever is announced in the state of California, which, you know, fluctuates with whatever Mr. Newsom wants to do, they're going to have nobody at Staples for the foreseeable future. Uh, at the same time, Canada is actually discussing giving the Raptors an exemption to play home games in Canada. You know, obviously it would be at uh, an empty uh, Rogers Arena, right? Because you know how... 
teams like an MLS with the uh, white caps and TFC in Montreal and even the baseball teams basically not being able to play their games in Canada due to Canada's fears of the outbreak that's going crazy here in the United States, getting a toehold there. But they are trying to be a little bit flexible and possibly creating an exemption for the Raptors. We'll definitely have to see how that all turns out. And speaking of Mavericks, as far as COVID goes, well, our man, Mr. Oil himself, Jerry Jones, the architect of America's team or America's outhouse, depending on how you look at it, uh, we won't be that harsh. We'll just say America's team. How about them boys? He says that there have been no outbreaks at Cowboy Stadium, and he plans to increase the number of fans attending games. Well, there's no contract tracing that can point to any outbreaks. You know, let's see how it goes. I kind of view when people make such statements like this with serious trepidation. But uh, Jerry says he's on to something. Definitely be keeping an eye on that. And along those lines, the folks in uh, the world's favorite soccer league, the English Premier League, they're saying that they hope to have fans back in the stands by by Christmas. They have a proposal in the works. It's under it's under discussion. So we could be seeing fans back at DPL games. We know that the Browns closed their facility after a positive test, but uh, played last week. It still seems to be an issue over there. From what I understand. The team is, is says that their status will be determined, you know, day to day. But they are planning to go forward this week. The Washington football team also has had, as they've just identified Matt Ioannidis as testing positive. But since he's already an IR, kind of isolated from the team anyway, there is no plans, you know, to put their upcoming game in danger. I believe they play Cincinnati coming up. But we'll see. Everything's getting really touch and go as far as that go. Same thing with the Rams. They had a positive test uh, detected yesterday. The players under isolation. Um, Eagles are talking about banning fans as opposed to Jerry wanting to let more fans in. That along with all the states that are, as I just mentioned, about to go into a lockdown, the Eagles say they will not have any more fans for the time being. At their, their, their beautiful stadium. <coughs> ah, excuse me. And see, people go, don't you do any editing and get all that stuff up? No, you get these podcasts as is. All the raw, no rehearsal. We just write it up, and then we come in here and we start talking. Anyway, so yes. So, um, so as far as the Eagles, like I said, they won't be having any fans at their stadium anytime soon. They had begun allowing fans in October, but obviously with the recent, you know, numbers just going off the charts, they're taking the wise move to keep fans away. The Warriors are actually have a really ambitious proposal that they pushed for last week. I don't know if you saw it or not, but they want to have 50% capacity for the 2020-21 season. And they're willing to spend $30 million to have People tested at the games and all that kind of stuff, which I think, isn't, I don't know if uh, Gavin Newsom will go for it. And I kind of also feel that uh, 
$30 million could be spent a lot of ways in this time of need right now, as opposed to not having the fans and being safe. You know, as we know, the Pfizer vaccine is making some great progress. We're hearing now that it's 95% in the latest round of, of, of trials. That's really good news. So maybe this will be a moot point, but I'm not seeing that quite yet. At least not, you know, with the NBA season that's going to it's going to begin in December, you know, December nineteenth or twentieth. So I don't know. We'll have to keep an eye on that. Well, all right. That was a quick romp through the COVID land. We'll take a short break and we will come back with a forty-three thousand foot view above campus. Welcome back to Fox Trotting in a Foxhole, episode 24, season one. Rambling through. Almost going to be time to roll out season two here. Got any suggestions for how we can improve the show? Enhance FTINFX at gmail.com or IME, because I'm sure most of you are friends with me on Facebook and that kind of thing. Yeah, you know, it's always interesting with the, uh, all the podcast, uh, you know, like newsletters and sites that I belong to for tips on how I can become a better podcaster. And, you know, folks are so hung up on their numbers. I'm really glad I'm not. I mean, there's some weeks that the numbers are, you know, I'll look a while. But I've tried to focus less on that and just really work on coming up with something that's worthwhile that people will listen to and word of mouth it will grow and I think that we still have a lot to improve and it's an ongoing process especially with a one man or one person crew as far as you know trying to uh, come up with quality content and a little bit slow with the other podcast but I think we're going to have our next guest coming here in the next day or so and I hope to have that out by the weekend I've got some other guests up my sleeve as well hopefully as far as the holiday season goes we'll have some some interesting gifts and treats to share there as far as bringing you high adventure in uh, high fidelity and great content all the other jazz that we speak on our website somebody's racing down the street yeah, we're in Studio B today, which is a little bit more cramped than being in Studio A. But hey, we're making things work back here, so which is really cool. Oh, <coughs> just getting this notification about YouTube's changes to service. I love that. Anyway, let's talk about the 43,000-foot view above campus after rambling for about two or three minutes of just about nothing. I know you all have got better time, and I'll make your time worthwhile for listening to this. So, good grief. So much going on on campus last week. I mean, it was absolutely ridiculous. And there was like four top 25 matches that were off the books because of COVID-related you know, COVID illnesses where either you have key segments 
you know, i.e. offensive linemen, coaching, just the tough, just breaking numbers. And you know how co- a lot of these conferences have a threshold between 50 and 60 people. If you can't dress them, then obviously the game has to be po- postponed. Or as in some conferences, it's actually a forfeit. And so anyways, I mean, when you lose four 20, top 25 matchups in one weekend, that's huge. You know, the, the Canes will be rescheduling their next two games after they had a major COVID outbreak. ACC says we can somehow reschedule these games, but I don't know. The window's getting pretty short, folks. You know, that December 12th date that I always keep talking about, now I'm starting to see, well, we may have to move to December 19th. That's still going to impact how it falls with the uh, college playoff football, you know, playoff committee. A lot of logistics, and I have a feeling they may have to move their dates back just a bit to adjust, because I'm starting to see a lot of games that are going to be planned to be played on December 19th. And I thought that that was, uh, I don't know, maybe it was the 18th, but we'll see. (coughs) Excuse me, it must be coming down with a cold or something like that. Anyway, a lot of things happened last week. Uh, you know, in the Pac-12, Cal and ASU was off, and then Cal at the last minute they, because UCLA's game was postponed, so they were able to play on Sunday against the NFL. Just UCLA ended up pulling that game off, but they were able to somehow get these two teams together because their opponents have COVID and all this other kind of stuff. But it's really this uh, sleight of hand that's taking place with these conferences, and they were able, we were really fortunate that Cal and UCLA, Cal and UCLA were able to pull off playing a game on such short notice. Um, in fact, the Big Twelve commissioner stated that there have been discussions of whether or not to delay bowl games in the college football playoff because of this recent spike. Normally, I would be against this, but at the same time, seeing that uh, we're shutting the country down again right now, it might not be a wise idea. I have a feeling that if you can get to a point where these seasons reach completion, it might not be unwise to push these things back. I mean, there's always a, a lengthy period between the conference championships and the bowl games and the ultimate playoff anyways. So, you know, I won't be, don't be too surprised if this doesn't get moved down the calendar a little bit. I just think the way we're spiking in the numbers, it's inevitable. And so in the meantime, you have like Ohio State, Maryland, you know, it's off. Maryland had to suspend all of football activities Georgia Mizzou was is now off, and so was Old Miss and A and M. Yeah, the uh, COVID is wreaking havoc. Um, let's see here, we also know that uh, South Carolina told Will Muschamp to hit the brakes after a very disappointing start. No shocking there. I was talking to my friend the other day about Franklin and Penn State. Uh, he better watch it. You know, even though. COVID is a legitimate excuse for why teams could be off to dreadful starts just given all the circumstances. But I feel that if the losses keep piling up in certain programs, 
I think the patients that the alumni boosters and just the constant ridicule, you're going to see some people lose their jobs, uh, COVID or not. Um, and another kind of disturbing report before we get to the rewind of what happened on the field. USA Today reports that uh, LSU ignored sexual assault complaints involving players, including my guy, former Washington football team bus Darius Geis. Yeah, I kind of, you know, thumbed into that story, and it's very disturbing. Uh, once again, something that we've been trying to move away from, I would say, the last decade, as far of this perception of these entitled athletes, you know, taking liberties with women and facing no uh, repercussions from their actions. As we say, no means no. And, you know, knowing what, you know, the lady from here at Oregon State who crusades who, around the country, I believe her name is Brenda Tracy, and knowing how many people have been putting these stories out there, you know, right? There's supposed to be Title IX committees or supposed to be sanctions, but yet we continue to have these types of stories where, in this particular case, many officials within the athletic department and the school's administration basically are looking the other way. You know, that, that these football assets are more important than making sure women are not being violated and they feel safe on campus. Um, not a good look for you, Ed Orgeron, and your program. I'm sure you can finally take the high ground, you know, especially when we talked about what happened with you standing up with one of your athletes last week. But that does not, that kind of cancels itself out if what we read in the USA Today story is true. Simple as that. So what went on in the field last week? Well, number two Irish tried to avoid stumbling after their stunning win the previous week at South Bend against number one, previous number one Clemson. Then the BC took care of business. Look good. Cincinnati still crushing it. I mean, they beat Eastern Carolina, so take that for what it is. Number six, Florida took care of the Razorbacks. The Canes, as I just said a second ago, getting ready to go on a little sabbatical with some COVID. Ish the Hokies at the gun at 25-24. Still think Miami's fool's goal. You're not fooling me. You're an okay team, but do I believe you are college football playoff worthy? Hell no. Wow. And so what we have coming up here after number 10, the Hoosiers, IU, went and took care of Sparty 24-0. So we're going to have a huge matchup at the Shoe this weekend with Justin Fields and the Buckeyes and this year's surprise, Indiana University, those Hoosiers. It's going to be a big game on Fox Network. I think uh, Urban and the whole crew is going to be on site there. Definitely must-see TV. Wow. You know, they looked very impressive. And I know that Ohio State's walking on, on eggshells as far as hoping they don't, they're not tripped up by any COVID out, outbreaks. But this could be very important. I think when we... Look at the next arrow here as we talk about number 11, Oregon, cruising in the Palouse, which has been sort of a major stumbling block to their uh, national champion aspirations in, in the previous decade. 
Uh, man, Ducks have got, as I said last week, this kid at quarterback, uh, Tyler Slew, looking looking fantastic. I see that he's already up for some of the postseason awards. Keep an eye on the Ducks, especially should Ohio State stumble. I think if the Ducks run the table, it's going to be hard to not consider them for a slot in the college football playoff. Just what I'm seeing right now, as they say, do the eye test. Okay, number 13, Wisconsin destroyed Michigan, 49 to 11. And so I guess the question would be, and we keep talking about this week to week, how is Ann Arbor liking the hardball experience now? I mean, <laughs> we talked in previous weeks you know, with Urban Meyer bringing up the whole idea of being able to compete with Ohio State. I mean, crap. They can't even compete with Wisconsin. They can't compete with Indiana. I mean, they can't even beat Sparty. And we saw what happened when Sparty played Indiana. And this is... Um, I mean, it's not even mediocre. This is kind of like bottom 10 material kind of stuff. um, I don't know what Michigan does. You know, is it Harbaugh? Is it an overrated brand that no longer can attract the blue chip athletes they did, you know, in the... 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and we'll say maybe into the odds, but we can definitely say in this century that Michigan has taken a step back. And I don't know if it's Harbaugh or that this is just a program that that is somehow living on its laurels and everybody else has just sped past them. It's an interesting thing, but when you see a Michigan team getting <laughs> getting ran, they just don't look like they are a good, you know, a a good college football program at this point, right? This this is, I don't know. What do you think? They're looking more like what, like Colorado, right? Is in the in, in the Pac-12, where sometimes they have good years and other years, you know, they're not so good, right? And that's just what I'm seeing with Michigan right now. Whereas. I never look at Colorado in the same vein as, a, as an Oregon, or even Washington for that matter, as far as if we're talking about the Pac-12 in recent years, and Utah as well. And look at it, you know, right? It's more like that, that Michigan's become like a Colorado. And as we know, college football lore, that ain't right. <laughs> so... Tulsa had the lone upset in the top 25 when they knocked off number 19, SMU. Number 20, USC, rallied to beat another Arizona school. Fool's gold. Not a big fan of Clay Hilton, but I will give you this. They are fun to watch. Very, very entertaining uh, stuff with with the Trojans. Will they be able to match up and possibly give the Ducks headaches? From what I'm seeing... Hell no. Duck's completely a class above. Number 22, Liberty continues to press. Fantastic job they're doing there. And the broadcasting fraternity, as we all know, 
Either you go to Syracuse or Northwestern. We aren't talking about the Coos because they stink. So all the people that are Wildcats of Northwestern, you know, the Mike Wilbons and, uh, yeah, just the flurry of folks that went to that school, they're all shaking their pam pom pom They go to 4-0 with a 27-20 win over Purdue. All right, let's just shift a little gears here. The NCAA announced that the basketball tournament, provided we can get that far, you know, with the vaccine making progress, I think we will be in a better place come tournament time. But they are talking about having a bubble and having the entire tournament in Indianapolis. Very good idea. I think having all these regional pods would definitely be a trigger as far as COVID extending its reach. So it's good for the NCAA to be out in front of that. Uh, as far as coaches go getting COVID, I see that Jim Beheim picked it up. Hope quick recovery there for him as uh, you know the Syracuse legend. And Old Miss coach Kermit Davis also joined the, the, the list of coaches that joined the COVID-19 uh, list. The Ivy League last week canceled one of winter sports because this recent outbreak, as I keep talking about over the last you know half hour or so, they think it's just prudent to not go for it with winter, with winter sports. You know, at my uh, alma mater, Cal State Northridge, go Matadors, the women have decided on their own to cancel the season because that so many people have opted out that they no longer can field enough people to have a competitive team. So. Keep an eye on teams doing that as we get closer to the opening tip-off here, which will be probably next weekend as far as uh, men and women's hoops go. And the last thing we'll talk about is Wichita State coach Greg Marshall, who resigned yesterday. We brought him up a few episodes ago talking about he was under scrutiny as uh, the latest example of that old-school bullying, abusive behavior not really being tolerated anymore. Only thing that really sucks here is that he walks away with a $7.75 million bailout. I know deals are made at schools, but it just sort of seems that you're being rewarded for this bad behavior. And I know this is, I don't want to get into the snowflake versus old school and all that kind of stuff because there's obviously a lot of ways to perceive that old school method. But let's, let's call it for what it is. And we've talked about this ad nauseum on this show. You are not going to be able to get away with the things that you did in, you know, the 1950 to 2000 let's say, probably even 1995 or something like that. I don't know. You know, splitting hairs here. But there just definitely is a line of demarcation where that sort of abusive bullying, it's just not going to be tolerated. Kids have the information. They're very aware of, of the respect they should be afforded. And for these coaches... Uh, so obviously, we've got all kinds of commotion. I'm sure you can hear this on the tape. But yes, as these coaches try to adjust to a changing landscape, trying to, I don't know, build leaders and, you know, provide that leadership that leads to a winning environment, 
different approaches have to be taken. It's it's simple as that. Now this whole, you know, we've talked about it many times. The whole Bobby Knight grabbing people, being verbally abusive. It is really not going to fly. And with the internet is quickly to shame you and put you on full blast. There's not a lot of wiggle room for these guys that continue to behave in that manner. But on the other hand, he walks away with 7.75 mil. Wish I could get a cool seven or eight million dollars for all the times I was a jerk. <laughs> Talk about, you know, living large for, 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 for being a meanie. All right, folks, that's been two great blocks as far as our weekly dive, looking at how COVID is impacting our professional and universities and a few things that go along with it that go beyond COVID. All right, we'll be back with another segment here coming up shortly. Welcome back to Boom Talk Studios, episode 24, season one, Fox Trotting in a Foxhole. Your faithful host, Ken Harlan here, for another weekly review of what's happening in the world of sport. Okay, we're at our, one of our favorite segments as we now have expanded it with three of the four major professional sports in hibernation right now. We kind of convince everything in that favorable block, which is known as something you should probably know or what's up in the world of sports. And as we talked about earlier, how things really change so quickly. This just came off the wire right when I went to air, so I haven't had time to really like dig into it. We see that Robbie Cano has been suspended by MLB for the entire 2021 season after testing positive for banned substances. Second infraction for Cano, who was suspended 80 games in 2018 when he was playing for the Seattle Mariners. Robbie, Robbie, Robbie. No, you're getting older. Still feeling you need the juice to produce. I, you know, me personally, I don't believe people ever stop. They just have gotten wiser in terms of figuring out ways to mask whatever they're taking. There's too much money on the table. I've been saying this going way back to when performance-enhancing drugs really started uh, becoming an issue. And this is, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s, that we were always going to run into a situation where the financial incentives and overall reward that can be obtained by going the performance-enhancing route humans i just don't see them just like going well on the honor system i won't do that one well maybe maybe if you can show me a way that it won't get detected so to see someone like robbie cano come up twice now gives you kind of an idea that it's it's 
something that hasn't been completely rooted out of, of, of the game. And I don't think it will be. Not when you can sign the kind of deals that uh, Mr. Mookie Betts or Mr. Trot have signed. You know, if, if you've got that kind of game and using steroids, the clear, HGH, whatever, testosterone, can get, put up the kind of numbers that will allow you, a, a club to give you that kind of contract. I mean, I'm sure, you know, it'd be really tempting to not go that route. Just saying, once again, talking humans here. Okay, so what else is going on? So we know that the, the wonder kid himself, Mr. Theo Epstein, the architect behind the Red Sox winning their first World Series since 1918, and also the Cubs, 1908, Step is stepping away from the Cubs. Wants to reset his batteries and take on another challenge. As I've said before, I am not a big fan of the spreadsheet analytics guys, but you have to give Theo all the props, especially taking those two cursed franchises and making them champions. Really going to be curious to see where he lands. I've got some ideas, as we all do probably, who follow this, you know, as far as where, what team would he decide to go to and make them a champion? You know, the guy's got a golden touch. We're sure once he gets his batteries preset, everyone will be watching just like the EF Hutton commercial as far as where Theo wants to go next. So, aside from that, the awards were handed out last week. Cleveland Shane Bieber won the AL Cy Young Award and uh, Cincinnati's Trevor Bauer. In fact, the first uh, Cincinnati Red to ever win the Cy Young. Congratulations to you, Mr. Bauer. Mr. Arebu wins the AL MVP, while Freddie Freeman etches out my man Mookie Betts for the NL MVP. Uh, big shout-out to Derek Jeter of the Mar Marlins, naming former Dodger and Yankee executive Kim, Kim Ng as the first female general manager. Fantastic. She did wonderful things with the Dodgers. I know that the Yankees think highly of her as well. Very respected throughout the game. Definitely going to be an inspiration for uh, girls that are looking to have a career in the world of professional sports. They have definitely a role model to look up there and that anything is possible. Putting use in those brains and, and, and busting your butt off. So fantastic. Be keeping an eye on her in the years to come to see what goes on with Jeter's Marlins. Alrighty, so we also had, as we said, we talked about last week, Augusta in the fall. Yeah, I don't know what to think. It was fun. It was the Masters. I don't care what you say, even though I didn't break up my console because it just didn't feel right. Kind of felt that, uh, you know, with that, that, that early rain, the course was a little too forgiving and people were just pipping the course out. Well, you know, DJ, you know, recovering from COVID-19. Obviously, COVID didn't have any long-term effects there as Dustin wins his first green jacket with a record-setting 20 under par. That's what I'm talking about, man. I mean, guys were just pipping the course out. Uh, I forget the, the gentleman's name. 
the, he had four rounds in the 60s. I believe that was the first for Augusta. Um, the, the course, fantastic, whether it's a spring or fall. There's just something unique um, with everybody else that without the crowds there and the roars, it just was kind of spooky. It just felt like it was a, you know, a very fantastic golf tournament, but it didn't have that major feel to it. Just like a golf tournament that's being played in a nice course with some of the world's best players, but didn't have that major feel to it, in my opinion, without the crowds. But, you know, we're trying to be safe and without the roars, but hey, just, I mean, you know, and obviously getting to hang out with Gretzky's wife, Gretzky in the caddy uniform. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good stuff, though. Our man, Tiger. What about Tiger? Well, Tiger turned heads with an opening round 68. And it looked like everything was going well. Uh, all the things that, that he had complained about, whether it being you know, his long game or his putter or his short game, not all working at the same time. Seemed like he was pretty poised on the first day. And then as the weekend went on, things, you know, got away from him, including that 10 on that par 3, which I just was really bad. It just kind of blew up. Not surprising if you've ever played the Masters on any of the Tiger Woods video games. You know that playing on some of the harder settings, mind you. Yeah, you can get into some trouble and get frustrated and put the ball in the water a few times. But I like that Tiger didn't fold, but he had a streak of like four or five birdies to close. And he still ended up being, I think, minus one for the weekend. Uh, Byron Chambeau, who said, what, 67 is par for me, ended up minus two. Phil made a run, but then he ended up, oh, God. I think, was he ended up like plus four or five? Uh, Rory played some really fantastic golf. I mean, obviously, you know, DJ the DJ Express was way, way too much. Um, some people are calling it, you know, the the Masters was an asterisk. I don't think so. It was a legitimate Masters. It just was a little bit different being this time of the year. Yeah. The weird thing about it is, before you know it, we will be back at Augusta for the 2021 Masters. That is the crazy thing. Quick shout out to Lewis Hamilton as he ties Michael Schumacher with his seventh F1 title at the Turkish Grand Prix. Props to him. Another guy who is providing a role model to folks globally that, that anything can be possible. Hard work, using those brains and making those connections, all that good stuff. But props to him. Seven, that's, as you can get an idea of how we talked about Jimmy Johnson in previous episodes, his seven titles. And that's... You know, that's like LeBron or MJ winning six or seven titles. It, it, it's not a feat to scoff at at all. You know, very impressive. Okay, so let's go to what's happening on the hardwood. So, as the draft is tonight, a lot of things happening. You know that CP3, Chris Paul, is traded to Phoenix. That's a done deal. Yeah, I get where Phoenix is coming from. You know, they were 8-0 in the bubble. I like the people who brought up that they didn't really play anybody in the bubble, and let's not get carried away, but 
Booker and Drayton and CP3. That's going to be a very formidable trio. Does that get them in the top half of the Western Conference? I don't think so. Could they be a pain in the butt for, let's say, if they're anywhere from the seed six to eight? Damn straight they can be. Yeah, I don't know if this really is something that, you know, the Lakers, Clippers, and Warriors are trembling about. But I think if you're the Portland, Denver, and Dallas's, you know, the room just got a little bit more cracked. Makes sense. Lakers trade Danny Green in the 28th pick to get Dennis Schroeder. Everybody seems to like that move, even though that probably means the end of Rajon Rondo as he's looking to either get a payday with Atlanta or join the Clippers and just be a a-hole. <laughs> oh, I didn't say that, but yes, I did. But be a jerk and join the traders and try to get another ring and improve his legacy. Dude, Hang out with the Lakers and get another ring. You're getting, you're going to the Hall of Fame. I think the job you just pulled off and what you did with Boston when you were younger beating us, you're in the Hall of Fame. You don't need to go to the Clippers. Or if you go get paid in Atlanta, I guess I wouldn't mind that. But I think you should hang out and keep LeBron and AD company. That's just my suggestion. But, you know, money talks and ego talks as well. So we'll keep an eye on that. Speaking of the Lakers... AD and KCP both opt out of their deals and enter free agency. I'm not sure what's going to happen with Contavious Caldwell-Pope, but we all know that AD will probably be back with LeBron to defend their title. Now that Houston has gone through a major reshuffling of its front office, and there's clearly a new day, I guess, in Houston, big surprise. Harden wants to go to Brooklyn to play with KD and Kyrie. In fact, he turned down a $50 million extension. Well, actually, a $103 million extension would have made him the NBA's first $50 million a year man. Think about that. $50 billion for that no D play in mofo. Yeah. And then and he's saying no. I want to go hang out. But knowing that Kyrie sort of uh, lured KD to Brooklyn for, you know, to get their own thing, how would that even work? I mean, there's clearly not enough basketballs, clearly not enough minutes, not enough ego. I mean, I give Steve Nash, uh, you know, some, some credit. He's a smooth dude, but you know, he's going to have to be a, he's got to be smoother than butter to get, that to work if that were to come to fruition. Um, Houston is saying prepare to be uncomfortable because I just feel that Houston's not going to just roll over and give Westbrook and Harden away. Maybe they they go a year with them being sour. We know that's not going to be good either. I just don't see those three playing together, but according to the sources, they're out there playing in these secret games in the LA gyms and are already trying to develop a rapport between the three. You know we'll be keeping an eye on that. My, my, my. Speaking of teams looking to solidify themselves in an attempt to wrestle the crown away from the Lakers, the Bucks made a pretty huge deal. They get Holiday and Bogdan Bogdanovich 
I mean, you're getting him some help, and yeah, I guess this would be an incentive for him to stay in Milwaukee, but I'm just thinking if you're the freak, you gotta be sitting there like, well, that's nice, but, you know, Miami, New York, the Clippers, a lot of places that are more desirable markets, especially if he sits this year out. I'm not sure it's going to be enough to, to make him stay in Milwaukee, but who knows what kind of world we're living in? You know, you got to give the Bucks, you know, some props for trying to placate him and give him a reason. As I mentioned earlier, the draft is starting to, the draft is going to be tonight. Um, what is it? Mellow Ball says he was born to be number one in this draft. Well, as we can clearly see, this isn't a draft that's going to give us the next LeBron, Kobe. Shh. There's not even a Drayton in this draft, as far as I can tell. So, yeah, the, the, the fact that we'd have to deal with his father again, you know, as I think Skip Bayless brought it up, it'd be a good sideshow maybe for Charlotte. I don't know if... Minnesota, or does it Golden State ask a second pick? I'll be watching. We'll be talking about the draft and any last-minute moves that may happen. It's, like I said, there's the Lakers and the Raptors winning it last year have sort of opened things back up so everybody feels they have a legitimate shot to, to win a championship if they can put the right pieces together. Cool stuff. The league has released its format. Because part of it now is going to do in two halves. There's going to be a play-in tournament. Good ideas. I feel that one of the problems the NBA, that given the competition and the recent social justice crusades that a lot of the players have been a part of, it's, it's hurt the ratings. And if not polarized the fans. And I feel taking an innovative approach as far as having a play-in tournament like they did in the bubble and even kind of doing the season in two halves. Very smart. And figure if you can be even more creative and make make it so teams are more competitive and retain fan interest throughout, you may be able to get the Ravens back up and make the product even more attractive. Can't fault Mr. Silver and company for trying to get ahead of that. Definitely um, disappointing from a ratings perspective, and they know they have to do better. All right, well, that was another fun segment as well. We will be back here shortly to talk about the beautiful game life. Welcome back. Episode 24, Season 1, Fox Trotting in a Foxhole. Your faithful co-host, Kevin Harlan here with another weekly romp through the world of sport. Well, as I talked about earlier, you know, we had the international break and we don't have another one until March. Can we say woohoo, woohoo, woohoo? Always a wonderful thing. You know, you get those two international windows in the fall. It just seems like as soon as you're getting all juiced up, 
you know, for a little football proper. It's like, okay, we're on international hiatus again. Champions League is interrupted. League plays interrupted. And now in the time of COVID, your players end up coming back from these places sick and of no use to you for a couple of weeks. I know in the case of the MLS I talked about earlier, like in the case of LAFC, it is a true nightmare that is unfolding before our very eyes. Hate the international break. I understand that all that kind of stuff, but you'll never get me waving my pom-poms for these windows as far as what they do to the clubs. More of a club guy. I have no problem about it. So with being the international break, what's going on? I don't know if you got a chance to watch the United States national men's team play twice. They were very impressive in both matches. The first one was a scoreless draw with a very tough well squad that was 0-0. But people were being very critical of Burkhalter and his tactics. Turns out Wells is a pretty darn good team, especially after they took care of Ireland and the Nations League and things like that. But the, they were very more impressive with their 5-2 win over Panama. Which was that like by the was on Monday? A lot of talent, especially that they're all over Europe. We have guys balling like Sergio Das, Winston McKinney, obviously Pulisic, Timmy Way. You know all these folks who crumb on. You know, I mean, because you, if you follow soccer tw- uh, Twitter and soccer Reddit, and yeah, as far as the United States national men's team go, eh, they get kicked around quite a bit. Very toxic as far as the commentary there. Kind of good to see some positives, especially after Panama. Things aren't looking as bad as what folks thought going into the pandemic. Think that uh, Brett Coulter's got a good program here. Let's be a little bit patient here and see what happens. If they don't make the next World Cup, then we can like get in the huddle and break out the old principal paddle. Sound good? So, we also saw France look pretty impressive, topping Portugal and Sweden without Kylian Mbappe in Nations League. Spain crushing Germany 6-0. Nice, you know, follow-up to their 1-1 tie with Switzerland on Sunday. Say, Germany, this is their worst defeat since 1931. Think about that. We were talking about the hottest temperatures a few weeks back, 1931. Long time ago, folks. So, obviously, either they're thinking either too many beers or too many wonderful ladies. Clearly not in the mood to, like, play some football. Portugal beat Croatia over there in the kind of bowl, World Cup qualifiers. Brazil took care of Uruguay, and now Uruguay has seven or eight of its players, as I talked about earlier, that are in court, that are in quarantine because they've tested positive for COVID-19, affecting clubs around the world. Not a good situation there. Yeah. Um, Mexico beat Japan in international friendly. So, yeah, a lot of cool stuff going on as far as that goes. Not my favorite, but, you know, we'll talk a little bit about it. So, what to make of all the rumors, especially speaking of Killian and Mape and CR7. Just I talked about this previously. You haven't really in weeks, but now that we're getting close to the opening of another transfer window, 
these ridiculous rumors that some of them could be have alluded to, but most of them are completely baseless. And just um, the the momentum that they generate, you know, all these places, Mbappe saying he wants this and he wants that, and you know, the dude, yeah, he's going to eventually move on from Paris at some point just because of his aspirations. But, you know, they're like trying to make him into this jerk when it's the last thing on his mind. I mean, obviously, if somebody wants him next year, it's going to cost him a lot of money. The idea of CR7 and Messi coming to Paris, we just got under, you know, the thumb of FFP. You really think Europe would ever allow that to happen? And besides, if those guys came to Paris, they'd probably end up being chokers, you know, they get infected with what this squad, you know, does to people. So, you know, I just, all the rumors that just really crack me up. And especially once we get, you know, on the precipice of another transfer window, definitely going to be interesting to see what happens here in the winter window and how it uh, sets the table for, you know, the, all the major moves that really happen in the summer window. But, uh, in some cool news, we see that the Sounders, Ken Griffey Jr. has joined their ownership group. I think that's good for their visibility. Good to see another strong African-American athlete, you know, throwing his hat into supporting the beautiful game, taking getting ownership, and, you know, all the outreach that helps grow the game. Fantastic stuff. Looking forward to seeing Ken Griffey Jr., rooting it on, even though I could care less about the Sounders, and we're getting ready as an LAFC fan to score off of them, as I just talked about. Playoffs do begin this weekend. Can MLS pull this off without a bubble, without, without this being a bubble situation? I really have my doubts. We talked about, could see some forfeits, especially given how the numbers are spiking. I swear, there's like every truck or construction going on in this neighborhood where it's just normally quiet unless they start recording. <laughs> anyway, but uh, I don't know if the MLS is going to be able to pull off this play their playoffs without some kind of cancellations, some kind of forfeits with the numbers spiking. Maybe this shutdown, as you can see with LAFC already down four players. Other people coming back from the international duty. I know that, like I said, the MLS is trying to do charters and get them back so they can be tested and approved to play. But I think we're going to find more positive cases there. And we'll see if they can keep from infecting others around them. Really a, a, a fluid situation. Very tense as well in terms of what epicureans balance we have between having playoffs and having to just, you know, shut part of it down or basically disqualify teams because you can't take the risk of infecting other teams and bringing the whole thing down. Yeah. Alrighty. That's what's going on in the beautiful game. A little bit short there this week with the international break. Looking forward to everybody returning this coming weekend. Be talking about that extensively next week, and uh, we'll see how the rumors 
continue the swirl as we get closer to the transfer window. All right, we'll be back with our final block in a moment. Welcome back, episode 24, season 1, Fox Trotting and Fox Cole. This is your faithful host, Ken Harlan here. Time to delve into what we call the NFL Report. They always say, it's amazing the things that appear on the wire. When I put the show together, I already have things pretty much finalized and say, yeah, okay, this is what we're going to talk about. And we'll wake up. We have other things going on that, that as far as working with COVID uh, outreach and things like that, open source communities. And so between juggling that and uh, working my podcast and other areas of professional development, you'll see these things and you're like, wow. For example, this happened obviously sometime earlier today, but reports are coming out that New York Giants have fired their offensive line coach, Mark Colombo, after he got into a fist fight with head coach Joe Judge. Apparently, Colombo got the better of Judge. Judge said, oh, is that how it's going to play? Well, here's your pink slip. Imagine that, especially the Giants, you know, on the upward trend. That's unfortunate for Mr. Colombo, but hey, you don't get into a fist fight with your, with your boss. It usually has negative consequences. Can't wait to find out more about that. A lot of COVID money going around still. This Green Bay's Bakhtahari inks a deal to become the highest paid offensive lineman, surpassing our favorite stoner, Laramie Tunsil. Good for him. I have some sad news to report that uh, Notre Dame and Green Bay Hall of Fame legend Paul Horning passed away at the age of 84 on November 13th. Now, if you're from the old school, uh, dude's football royalty, right? Uh, you know, along with those guys that came out in the late 50s, even was asked to sit down for a year for gambling from the legendary Pete Rozelle. Yeah, just womanizer, boozer, all around, double threat as he kicked, was a running back, uh, major cog on those great Packers championships in the early 60s. Super Bowl of post football was Notre Dame announcer. Yeah, like I said, the guy's football royalty definitely will be missed. Condolences go out to his family, friends, the Notre Dame family, as college football and the NFL's truly lost a titan in Paul Horning. A lot of crazy stuff going on in the NFL as well. What is going on with this whole thing with the Vincent role, which is basically a addendum to the Rooney role? And this is, I was reading about it on Outkick.com, you know, Clay Travis and Jason Whitlock, those folks. Yeah, that tends to be a little bit too extreme as far as their announcement of woke and cancel culture and some of the other things, but I think they're spot on when it comes to this. This is pure insanity where the Vincent Rule would award a team 
two two extra third round picks of a minority coach is hired away from your staff. Well, gee, that's not really going to help the number of black coaches. I mean, I can see this being bad uh, going both ways. And just one of those ideas where, yeah, you mean well, but WTF in terms of, you know, what are you, what are you thinking and who's really going to go along with this? Yeah, check out uh, Whitlock's piece about it at, at OutKick.com. I think you'll find it, but I think you don't necessarily agree with it, but he definitely um, drills down as far as the absurdity of this. But I don't see how this really helps to get more minority coaches. In fact, I think this might be one of those things that pushes things even further. We shall see. This seems kind of silly. Also, John Gruden, and apparently doing the victory lap at Arrowhead, catching a lot of grief for that. Might be talking about that in a minute or two. I think you can see where that's going. Also, the NFL announced that this Monday night, Tampa Bay and the Los Angeles Rams, they're going to have an all-African-American officiating crew. Something they've been trying to do, do for a while. Once again, not sure how I feel about it. Like, how has it taken this long for that to happen? It, it's all meeting well, but at the same time, kind of comes across as kind of patronizing, in my opinion. I don't know. Others may feel differently. You have a, you know, let me see. Tell me what you think. F-T-I-N-F-X at gmail.com if you have an opinion. I think it's kind of silly, but hey, whatever. Make the world seem like it's a wonderful place and we all get along and we're making strides, which we have. All right. So what happened on the field? So it goes back to Thursday where Tennessee, who we want to see as an up-and-comer, they fall flat at a home loss to Indy. Somehow, as certain people predicted in the beginning, Indy's going to end up winning at this division, even though thus far Tennessee has looked like they were ready to be a top echelon team in the AFC. Kind of moving to the middle of the pack, which is kind of unfortunate. That was kind of interesting in the Browns and Texans game. A 10-7 close shave for Cleveland. How Chubb went out of bounds, costing betters and fantasy players. I don't know what to think about that. I mean, I get it. You know, conspiracy theorists, you know, basically, you know, it was fodder still blowing up Reddit and Twitter with all their theories as far as what Chubb's motivations would be. But yeah, it was a very strange situation. Especially, you know, he could have taken a knee, but yeah, I'm sure it was pretty torturous that if you were sitting in Las Vegas and as somebody who's lived there and been part of the whole gambling thing, to have had that happen and not cover because homie went out of bounds, I'm not sure how I would have taken it. I think my blood pressure would have went through the roof. I would have probably drank a lot of dollar or two beers, even if you can find those on the strip anymore. Probably not, but back in my day. But yeah, I would have definitely put a few back and jump it broken my back that way. Same thing if you're a fantasy owner. Yeah. Outstanding stuff there. Um, Still City Review. When I say Still City Review, you know I'm talking about those folks in Pittsburgh. 
Moving to 9-0 with a 36-10, dismantling of Burroughs Bengals. That the Bengals were on their way up, but no, they are in contention for a high draft pick. Steelers class of the league right now, straight up. Well, Alex Smith. Gosh, man, I don't know what to say about him. You know, as I've, if you've listened to this podcast, you know I'm a fan of the Washington football team. What a story. Definitely comeback player of the year. He's been sensational. But you know what? The Washington football team is still losing. And once again, they found a way after it looked like Smith for the second straight week throwing for 300 yards, getting points on the board. But the defense somehow could not hold on for 40 seconds. And Matt Poyter kicks a 59-yard field goal at the gun. And the Washington football team lose another heartbreaker. Maybe, you know, either that or it puts us closer to getting into the Trevor Lawrence-Justin Fields sweepstakes. At this point, crap, I don't know. It's such a bad division. <laughs> I mean, I mean what, what do you even say about that? And speaking of, the Philadelphia rally comes up short at MetLife. The Giants are suddenly on the rise, but as we just talked about with Joe Judge and Colombo, we'll see, but they looked impressive in their last two weeks, beating Washington and Philadelphia, even with their seven losses. Who knows? Maybe they're on track now to win the NFC least. As I say, what a what a mess. Um, Aaron Rodgers and Jake Luton. Talked about Jake Luton getting the start for Minshew. Played up the road here in Corvallis at Ohio State. I mean, Oregon State, excuse me. I mean, you know, I just think the, Pack, the, the, the Packers did enough to win. Some people are giving the Packers a little bit grief. These guys are professionals, even if it was Lambeau. Give Jacksonville credit. Luton's looking very tough. Packers did enough to win. About really all you can say as far as that goes. Um, I guess you guys said you could just say they made a stinker watchable. Brady Bunch have a field day in Carolina. AB's getting the action, getting targets. Uh, all's well after after getting their butts handed to them, at, you know, at home the previous week by the Saints. Yeah, they're definitely going to be in the mix. Did they lose a couple of credibility points getting smacked down by New Orleans? Sure, but if you think they're not a contender in the NFC, you better. Put some cold water on your face and just come to reality with that. They're definitely going to be there. We got to see another showcase. Showcase number one. The Tua and Herbie. A tale of two rookies and teams definitely moving in opposite directions. As once again, the Chargers find a way to lose another close one. And once again, the Dolphins under Brian Flores. And now with Tua at the, at the helm. Rising in the AFC quickly. Nipping on Buffalo's Hills. Very impressive team. What is that? Five in a row now for the Finns. Tua's looking very comfortable out there. As he says, you know, he, the NFL's easier than he thought it would be. He might rue saying that here in a couple of weeks. But right now, team seems to be responding to him very well. They like him. Finns are playing, are, are playing lights out. Good stuff. Herbie, two and seven. NFL loves him, but as I keep talking about, it really sucks to see the Chargers continue to pull out the losses. 
could be one of those things where Anthony Lynn ends up being sacrificed for this. They bring somebody else in here and the foundation that he built with Herbert, that becomes successful. But you really feel for Justin taking all these losses because he's played better, but somehow they aren't getting that one extra play that gets them over the hump. You know, there's failures going on both sides of the ball. Don't want to blame it on the defense, but somehow they need to make one more play. You know, they could easily be 7-2, right? But they're not. They're 2-7. and seven. Too bad. And the other showcase game, which is really fantastic, and might even be, you know, a candidate for the game of the year, the Kyler-Josh Allen showcase. What a game that was. And, I mean, both of those guys balled out, showing why the NFL is in really good hands with, you know, this group of quarterbacks. And you thought that Buffalo was about to have an impressive win. Josh Allen rallying him, Cole Beasley making a fantastic catch, only to have Kyler come down and put his name in NFL lore with another classic. I mean, you know, him and DeAndre Hopkins, right? The Hail Mary, just snatched over three defenders. Not sure what they were thinking in terms of not getting the ball knocked down, but hey, homie just went up there and took it. Um, it's I don't know if it's the greatest Hail Mary, but you know any Hail Mary is fantastic. Uh, the kids, uh, Kyler's fantastic talent. I mean Josh Allen was balling out as well, but Kyler kind of showing how special he was. And Bill O'Brien, really? Maybe you know I should really think about it. You know the the TMA award. You know I I've got some serious candidates out here. You know we may have to hand out many balls because I think. You know, I'm just thinking about it here. You really deserve one that you didn't get a number one for this guy. I mean, this guy's a flat-out baller, probably the best receiver in the league. You let him go and didn't get a number one for him? Yeah, you deserve to be out of the league right now. So, but what a fantastic game. And like I said, Josh Allen, I mean, fantastic. And in most Sundays, that drive would have been enough to get the Bills to W. Bill's got to really look because the Dolphins are coming on strong. Um, t- speaking of the Saints, Breeze, Breeze gets banged up, uh, broken ribs, collapsed lung. The Saints handled the depleted Niners, but now we're looking at the you know the tandem of Tyson Hill and uh, Jameis. You know, at least for probably the next three or four weeks as Breeze Hills up. Maybe that's a good thing to get him rested up for a playoff run. I don't know. Obviously, with that number 12 guy down in Tampa Bay, not a lot of room for error, even though you have two wins against them, but you may give it all back with Breeze being sidelined for the foreseeable future. Cam outduels Lamar in a Foxborough monsoon. Does this make us feel a little bit better about Cam? And do we still have questions about Lamar? Hmm. I guess it's a little of both. Uh, you'd have to say that a quarterback like Lamar, someone like Belichick gets up for. And I think as we continue to grade Lamar on a steep curve, we want to see how he handles himself in games like this where you're having a Hall of Fame coach who knows how to game plan against you. And... 
as we said, you know, when you play these teams, even though the Patriots really aren't at the top of the AFC right now, as they have been pretty much for the last two decades, Belichick still, along with like Bill Walsh, one of the great coaches of all time, and I don't want to say it's disturbing, but I think in the evolution of Mr. Jackson, you know, getting more wins against these type of coaches in teams will help him out. Uh, Cam, okay, you know they got the win, quality team, the weather helped. Let's see more of it. You know, can't see if the Patriots can't put the string together some wins and get back into this chase with the Dolphins and the Bills. A lot of fun watching the AFC East. I don't think the Patriots are done quite yet. We had last night, Kip Foles injured. Well, not last night. It was Monday night, actually. Just my day's confused. Thinking I'm doing this on Tuesday. It's actually Wednesday. Nick Foles injures his hip. I guess it's not as bad as I first thought. Uh, Mr. You like that. You know, Captain Kirk wins his first Monday night start after going 0-9 and... As you all know, he used to quarterback for the Washington football team, so I witnessed many of those losses and thought the guy could never win in uh, prime time. Gets it done. You would have to look up the Bears. Once again, what have I been telling you? Fool's gold. Mitch Trubisky's shoulder hurting. Going to be interesting to see what, what happens this week with Fool's banged up. Bears definitely going from everybody's darling to... I mean, being a, a very bad football team with an okay defense. I mean, some say a championship-level defense. Nah, honey. Not with what I'm saying. Right? Um. All right. Well, somehow we finally reached TMA time. We got a lot of competition this week for, t- for the Turd McCrory Award. You know, that stainless steel bowl of turds that goes to, you know, that special somebody that earned it for the week. And just, you know, added Bill O'Brien to that list after watching Mr. Hopkins, you know, add to NFL lore. Definitely. In fact, I'm giving you a bowl, but I think we're going to hand out a couple. We have Oscar De La Hoya talking about a comeback. Really, dude? Really? I think he deserves it. We'll give it. We'll, we'll, we'll say, you know, I'll, I'll give O'Brien the regular size. We'll give uh, De La Hoya what we call the complimentary bowl of turds, where you don't get the full one, but you get, a, you get a little recognition this week. I think I'll give a recognition bowl to Skip Bayless with his ongoing obsession with LeBron James. It's getting ridiculous how every episode of Undisputed, he can, uh, there's a permutation that will allow someone to challenge the Lakers in their defense of the crown. The guy just pees all over himself. You know, it's actually kind of embarrassing. I mean, there's so many other wonderful things to do and talk about as opposed to obsess over wanting LeBron to be a failure so he can no longer be discussed in the same breath as Jordan. Absolutely silly. Shame on you, Fox Sports, for you know putting up with this nonsense. Come on, man. Turn the page. I think we have to also give I think we'll give a we'll give we'll give Harden a complimentary one. I think that, you know, he's made a lot of money in this league, but still, man, fifty million a year to be in the NBA and you're and you're scoffing it to go play with with head case Kyrie and, and Mr. Fragile KD. Yeah, money can't buy everything. 
And it obviously can't buy you a ring. And I don't know if giving him $100 million is going to get Houston any closer to getting that. But man, I don't know. For those of us, you know, who are just common folks, seeing somebody turn down $100 million over two years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you get a full one. And you know what? We're going to give out another uh, Turd McCoy Award because you know I got to give one to John Gruden. Taking a lap around Arrowhead, really? I mean, I know the Raiders hadn't beat the Chiefs in a while. And you probably get tired of all this Mahomes and Andy Reid and Tyreek Hill and blah, 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 blah. I get I get all that. But come on, man. A regular season game, especially the first one, and you take a lap and then try to, like, pawn it off on some, you know, local bus driver and his, uh, I don't know, I think it was, like, Shannon Sharp and I think Ryan Clark both said, you know, those guys don't say anything. It's just, like, going really chucky, taking a lap around. During it, especially in the first half of the regular season, yeah. Matter of fact, I'm gonna give you two. I'm gonna give you a regular size in, you know, like the, the complimentary, you know, edition, uh, right? The, the or the mini. We'll come up with a better name for that. But yeah, definitely. I think Gruden gets one and one this week for taking a lap around Arrowhead. All right, folks. Somehow we've reached that magical 80 minute for some reason i didn't even think we'd have that much to talk about but yeah you know these episodes are always the length gonna get uh the next edition of the scene out as soon as i possibly can if you all know anybody that wants to be on there please you know pass their name my way so i can reach out to them but we're gonna have a lot of fun with that gonna start getting some more guests back on this show i know i've been talking about that for a while but Hey, there's only so much you can do. It's been a lot of fun. As always, you know, they say mask up, sanitize, socially distance, so we can get back to going to our games, going to our concerts, getting our party, and enjoying one another. Meantime, be safe, be sane. We're all having the lockdown in a lot of places for the next week, so it's going to get a little bit tense, going to get a little bit weird. Till then... Be safe. We'll talk to you.